Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, thanks for being here. And if you're coming back, thanks for joining us again. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about Coachella. But before we get into that and all of that juiciness, we're just going to like address some housekeeping. So right now we're in the process of uploading and updating like reference materials for every podcast episode that we've done on the website. Um, And because we lost two student assistance because of graduation. This is like taking a little bit longer. Um, so bear with us on that. And, um, you know, we have that suggestion survey. If you go to, was it the, was it the Islamic revolution or the Noru's one where we included the link directly in the bio on Um, SoundCloud? I think it was, it was one of the two. Yeah. I definitely put both of them. Um, when you, if you go back to our Facebook post of Mm -hmm. the podcast, then you'll find the, the first comment on those posts each is like the suggestion form so you can find it there too yeah and it should be up on our website is it under the contemplate tab yes yeah um and so kind of before we get into that so next week next thursday is april 24th and so stay tuned for an episode talking about the armenian genocide because april 24th is actually the day the armenian genocide began so that's kind of like a look into the future Um, And just kind of getting into why did we choose this topic? Well, Coachella Weekend 1 just happened. It was just this past weekend. And Coachella Weekend 2 is coming up this weekend. And just like from what I've seen on social media, there's been a lot of buzz about the owners of Coachella, problematic things that happen there, like literally every year without fail, problematic headliners like Ariana Grande, etc., And I think a lot of people, especially people who are privileged enough to be able to like go Mm -hmm. and actually attend, um, they are kind of hesitating talking about it because they don't want to polarize themselves one way or another. Um, And we're just kind of like the broader question that we're going to be looking at today um, after we look at all of the facts behind Coachella and what why it is what it is, is just kind of like, why is it that people who like fully are aware, they are educated about, you know, the truth about Coachella, they sometimes still choose to go. And like, just as a disclaimer, we want to make it clear that we're approaching this episode from the perspective of not judging people's personal decisions, but rather more of like an informed consent situation. So that if you do decide to go to Coachella or if you decide to go despite knowing, you know, the background and everything that's gone on so that you guys know who you're supporting or potentially supporting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So, Kaylin, do you want to get into like the basics of it? Yes. So the full name of Coachella, I know everyone calls it Coachella, but there is a longer name. Mm-hmm. It's called the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival. Um, it's an annual music festival and arts festival um, at the Empire Polo Club in Indio, California, uh, located in the Inland Empire's Coachella Valley in the Colorado Desert. Um, I think something to insert here, too, is that it's in the Coachella Valley, mm-hmm. which is also, you know, there is, like, that is also the historical homeland mm-hmm. of, like, the Kahuila tribe mm-hmm. of um, indigenous people. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about the cultural appropriation aspect a little later yeah. and how, like, weirdly full circle that is. I mean, how like kind of it's just even more disrespectful later when we look at a lot of the cultural appropriation that like this is happening on stolen land Mm -hmm. from this particular indigenous tribe. And it's almost like a glorification and like a mimicry of their culture being spat Mm -hmm. back into their face. Yeah. So just got to insert that there as well. Um, It was co-founded by Paul Tollett and Rick Van Santen in 1999. And is organized by Golden Voice, which is a subsidiary mm-hmm. of AEG Live, which is a huge entertainment, uh, a sports and entertainment group conglomerate company mm-hmm. sort of thing. So they have hands in a lot of different places that you might not think of. Um, but so we'll does, get back. So does subsidiary mean like that it's basically like a baby branch of this larger tree, AEG Live? Yeah. So AEG Live would be the big parent company. Okay. And so they, so what a subsidiary usually is is that it's another company in a way um it has its own like revenue things like that mm-hmm. but it, it belongs to this larger group AEG Live so AEG mm-hmm. Live most likely I don't know the exact like mm-hmm. terms of financials and like how ownership is broken up but yeah. it's most likely that AEG Live owns if not all most of the shares of Golden Voice gotcha. um or okay. in that some sort of in mm-hmm. that sense 
Yeah. Um, you can see how much I paid attention to mm-hmm. my lectures in business. I was going to say, because I was like, oh, okay, she's like, she's business minded. Let me ask her. But like, yeah, I think business is just really like complex, which kind of mm-hmm. makes the situation like harder to like break down and mm-hmm. like have a definitive stance on because like you'll see when we get into what we get into later, it's just very like blurred. So yeah, I think subsidiaries are, it's, it's very interesting how they work because I think you can say that there are a lot of like companies that are like, oh yeah, we're a subsidiary of X, Y, and Z or things like that. Um, there are a lot of different ways where you can become a su- mm-hmm. subsidiary or like a company can create a subsidiary. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of reasons why they might create subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think okay. this is like kind of on a tangent, but it's also kind of similar to like how, for instance, I think it's Old Spice, mm-hmm. no, Axe and Dove are technically owned by the same company. Gotcha, okay. okay. Um, but yeah, they have radically different brand names. So I like, see Johnson, the family mm-hmm. company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brainwashing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, subsidiaries and that whole sort of business is like very interesting gotcha. and like very complicated. Um, but yeah, so remember, Golden Voice subsidiary of AEG Live. So they're mm-hmm. kind of, a, they're within the same larger umbrella brand. Yeah. Um, so more information about them, it's, it's actually really hard to find information about them, mm-hmm. um, but the interesting tidbit here is that Tollett, who is not a Donald Trump supporter, retains half ownership of Coachella, um, according to the LA Times. This was like an interview that they did with him, I think like the year that Kanye West was supposed to headline, um, and so that's why like I think there was some, I don't like honestly, I don't know, I don't really like Kanye West at this point, mm-hmm. so I wasn't like dying to know more mm-hmm. but like apparently something happened where he may have had to like pull out of headlining and so I guess like that was the reason that they chose to interview him and I'm sure like at this time like Trump was like you know mm-hmm. in the media yeah really publicized mm-hmm. and so that's probably why he took that stance but again like are we really going to take what these people say at face value no of course not yeah, yeah. so it's like okay this might be a little comforting mm-hmm. but you also have to consider like I don't know. Do you really do you really not support him? But yeah. Neutrality is not an option. That's just yeah. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> just as a general statement. Yeah. Um uh so he owns half, but the other half is actually owned by um so pulling back. So if he owns only half, who owns the other half? Because he's like the co-founder, right? Yeah. Um but in 2001, Golden Voice was sold to live music agent AEG Presents. That's the um, that's the big parent brand that we were talking about like yeah. a little earlier. Well, so now this look actually looks a little different. So the oh, big God. branch is AG Live. And so sometimes, like, these big, big companies, like, conglomerates, like, they're just, like, a bunch of companies put together. They'll have, like, even, like, smaller, like, little branches. Oh, so, like, God. Okay. for instance, I feel like looking at this AG Presents looks more of, like, their live entertainment okay, or, like, gotcha. music sort of production side. AG also has a lot of, like, sports interests as well. So, okay. for instance, anyone from the Bay Area, you know the Coliseum, the Oakland Coliseum, the Oracle Arena, mm-hmm. you know, three different sports teams currently play there, Oakland Raiders, the That's A's, true. and the Warriors. Yep. So, that whole, like, sports complex is owned and run by AEG. Um, and they're more of, like, their sports oh, wow. side. Okay. So, yeah, AEG is a huge, huge company. I did not even know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, they, they're in hands, they're, their hands are in a lot of different places, I only really know this also because I did apply for a job. At one of the at, subsidiaries yeah. or yeah. the big so ones? I actually uh, applied for a job at, like, to help, like, their their branch manage, like, the Oakland Sports Complex. That's pretty so dope, actually. That is, like, that's their sports, like, side, you mm. know? Um, and we'll talk about this later when we talk about their chairman, who is unapologetically conservative, yeah. problematic dude. Um Philip Anschutz, who, or Anschutz, mm. I don't know. Um, if they can mispronounce our names, we can freaking mispronounce theirs. Yeah, let's be real. I'm kind of tired of, like, just generally white people, like, not, like, trying to figure out how to say, like, quote-unquote ethnic names. Dude, Kaylin and, like, Arima are not even that hard. Imagine, like, the mm-hmm. nightmare every day I yeah. have to deal with. I've heard, like, people put letters in my name that aren't even there. Like, I've been called Parisha. What, the H? Where is that from? <laughs> Okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, so he um, he has also donated to various political organizations um, or various organizations that have led to calls for a boycott of this, this festival. So this mm-hmm. is also from the LA Times. Um, but we'll get a little more 
<laughs> into the sky a little later because there is a lot to get into. <laughs> yeah, the episode notes, I actually wrote down more on this particular breed of demon later. <laughs> oh my god. And so the festival's origins trace back to a 1993 concert that Pearl Jam performed at the Empire Polo Club, which is the venue that Coachella is being held at now. That's where it's housed. Um, while boycotting venues controlled by Ticketmaster. The show validated the site's viability for hosting large events, leading to the inaugural Coachella Festival being held over the course of two days in October 1999, just three months after Wood Woodstock 99. So I don't know how much you guys know about, like, pop culture and stuff, but from what I understand, Woodstock, like, 1969, mm -hmm. was, like, really, really romanticized. It's, like... The Summer of Love and all of like these really mm -hmm. big names are performing at like a music festival. So I guess 30 years later they tried to recreate it and it was an absolute nightmare. Like it was mm -hmm. literally the festival from hell. So I guess like this was kind of the time that music festivals were like becoming a thing and people were actually mm -hmm. realizing like, oh, this might actually be like possible and a good idea and you know, like a good place to make money basically. In 1999, there was no event in 2000, and Coachella returned on an annual basis beginning in April 2001 as a single day event. In 2002, the festival reverted to a two-day format, and Coachella was expanded to a third day in 2007, and then eventually became a second weekend in 2012. So you see kind of like an evolution, and when I was like researching this part, I was just like, wow, this just kind of seems to me like, how can they suck more money out of people and make it so that mm -hmm. it's not just one day out of the year where some people might not be able to make it or some people, you know, like might be busy, have mm -hmm. other like priorities, but just kind of like extending it and making it so that it's like, oh, you have two options or mm -hmm. like two like weekends yeah. to see. You have two chances. Yeah, your favorite performers. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, to me, it's just very blatantly like a money grab. Oh, yeah, everything's a money grab. Yeah. But especially <laughs> these big corporations. Yeah. So it is currently held on consecutive three-day weekends in April, with each weekend having identical lineups. And so Coachella is one of the largest, most famous, and most profitable music festivals in the United States and all over the world. Each Coachella staged from 2013 to 2015 set new records for festival attendance and gross revenues. The 2017 festival was attended by a quarter of a million people and grossed $114.6 million dollars. So. Yeah, so this is a huge money bag for this company, um, which is already like a huge company because they have so many. And the like, tickets are things. expensive. Oh, the tickets are expensive. Aff, like they're yeah. just like it's ridiculous. I've seen like friends of mine like they're like, oh my god, I really want to go, and then have to go onto the payment plan because they just can't like they offer payment plans. They, I think they offer. Oh a my payment god, plan. Um, I've seen it all. But there's also like payment plans aren't like. Like, you just, you still, like, it's still, you're still losing that amount of money, but you're just, like, spraying it across, like, a few months mm. or a few weeks. But it's still, like, you are stopping so much money on this, and it is going to this corporation and will probably end up in, like, in some form in the pockets of this Philip Anschutz guy mm. who's, like, absolute trash. Like, I don't know. Mm. I think it's just, it's just so sad to see, like, so many, like, of my friends who, like, re like and honestly just really want to go because, like, maybe, like, one of their favorite artists is performing. And I'm like, you know, you go for it because, like, that's your prerogative. And, like, I think that's great that you do want to, like, do this and a chance for, like, you to, like, reward yourself or, like, just, you yeah. know, relax and things like that. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh, my God, like, this is where it's going. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, like, they made a ton of money um, in 2017 from their festival. Um, and so then the success of Coachella led to Golden Voice, again, this is the production company that's doing Coachella. Mm -hmm. um, they established two additional music festivals at this particular site, mm -hmm. um, the classic rock-oriented Desert Trip in 2016 mm -hmm. and the annual Stagecoach Country Music Festival in 2007. Um, there have been a lot of big names that have per performed at Coachella. A lot of people have gotten their start at Coachella. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, Prince, Jay-Z, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Drake... Um, ACDC, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Kendrick Lamar, Beyonce, Ari Ariana Grande, all you could go on and on. Mm. Childish, Gam Childish Gambino was a headliner this year. There's a lot um, of just variety because yeah. I think originally it started as like an urban rock kind of mm -hmm. like rock alternative festival. Yeah. I'm assuming if it was like on the heels of Woodstock, that's what it yeah. probably started as. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, like it's ballooned in this huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another note too is that, you know, with the success of Coachella and all these other festivals, Golden Voice also produced a festival last year for the first time in Oakland mm-hmm. called the Blurry Vision Fest. And I think, that, okay, so this one was so interesting because the lineup was actually like pretty good. Mm-hmm. And like it was in Oakland. Um, it was a two-day festival and like the name behind like the idea behind the name of Blurry Vision mm. was that it's um, the idea that the lines between all musical genres are now blurred. Mm. Um, so like you, you have a lot of like people who are like genre mixing and things like that, um, and that like the av- like the quote unquote, like the this is a quote here the mm. average music fan listens to multiple different genres of mm. music, which you know makes sense. That's what yeah. a lot of people do. Um, it was also an effort to bring a large music festival that centered R&B and hip-hop back to Oakland. Because mm-hmm. Oakland, I think, maybe this is, like, me coming from the Bay Area and also, like, particularly the East Bay. Like, mm. I feel like Oakland is also – is often overlooked when you look at things like music, um, art, The culture. hyphy movement is literally, like, based in the Bay Area, but mostly from Oakland. Like, mm-hmm. E-40. Yeah. Like, really big names, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I totally agree with the fact that Oakland music is really – Oakland culture mm-hmm. is just very overlooked. Yeah. And underappreciated. It is very underappreciated, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. But this is also me, Bay Area person. Me too. We're both like, <laughs> natives of the Bay, yeah. So, um, but then also, like, the vast majority of artists that were in the lineup were artists of color. So mm-hmm. the two headliners were SZA and Migos. What year was this? This was last year. Oh, this was the Blurry Vision? Yeah, this was oh. Blurry Vision. Why did I not hear about Blurry Vision at all until now? It was, like, very... It was, like, super... It was super interesting. Like, I didn't find it until, like, maybe, like, a couple months before or, like, a few months before. Oh. And it was, like, kind of just, like, a random, like... I found this because I was. this was when I was working with the MCC um, and my committee for Global Village was in charge of, like, trying to figure out a raffle prize or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then we found... All, like, it was just, like, a simple, like, you know, search. We're like, oh, maybe we can try and get concert tickets because that's a big mm-hmm. draw factor for people. And then yeah. one of the people on our committee was like, oh, my God, wait, I just found this festival called Blurry Vision. That's crazy. And most of them are artists of color. And, we're, like, our whole thing was, like, we want to support artists of color and things mm-hmm. like that. And then, like, it was the headliners of Migos and SZA. It was also, like, right after, like, Black Panther, so SZA had, like, the big hit on there, mm-hmm. um, on that soundtrack, and so this was, like, a huge deal. I um, want to see if it's happening this year. Let I couldn't me. find anything for it on this year, though, which oh. was very surprising, because, like, I had a few friends that went and were, like, super into it, but there were also, like, this is also just a quick anecdote, mm-hmm. like, a lot of my other, like, a lot of other friends I had wanted to go, too, mm-hmm. um, both uh, because of, like, the fact that there were also a lot of, like, there were a lot of artists of color that were going to be there. Brock Hampton was there, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that. Um, but they were kind of wary about it because of Golden Voice and his attachment to Coachella and, like, the problematic history yeah. around all of that. Dude, so what I'm seeing is, like, the last their, uh, their website was updated was for 2018, which is, like, the headliners that you... Yeah. Like, okay, that's interesting. You would have, I would have thought that it would have been, like, more popular, you know? That's what I thought. I mean, I had a friend, I had friends who went, and they were, like, there were so many people there. Mm. Uh, just, like, shouting out, like, yeah, Brockhampton, Claro, Roy Woods, mm. Sango, Xavier Omar. Um, Anderson Pop was there. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so it was, like... like it, as if SZA and Migos aren't enough. I know. This was, like, a celebration yeah. of, like, all these arts of color. That's really lit, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was done by Golden Voice, which has got a very problematic history, mm-hmm. which is a very good segue into the tea. Yeah, the, so this section is literally called tea. <laughs> Let me just sip my literal tea right now. Yeah. I have a thermos for you who can't see. I didn't bring, but maybe like ASMR. Mm. Tea's so good. <laughs> what kind of tea is it? Um, I think I just have black tea. It's just regular black oh, okay. tea. Do you I sweeten think, your tea? No, I don't. I hate sweetening my tea. Oh my god, me too. We more. like our tea hot, and we like mm. it unsweetened. <laughs> and okay. I like it strong. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I want it so strong that I can't sleep for, like, three days. <laughs> and, oh my like, <laughs> my heartbeat, I just want it to be like that Mr. Krabs meme where he's, like, really shook. Oh, yeah. That's what I want my heartbeat to be like. <laughs> we will put that meme up on the website mm-hmm. when we get around to updating it. Mm-hmm. But, so, in 2001, Golden Voice was acquired from co-founders Rick Van Santen and Paul Tollett in an almost $7 million deal by Anschutz Entertainment Group, a massive company more commonly known as AEG, which is what we talked about before. Mm -hmm. 
This, this is an article that was written in 2017. And so billionaire Philip Anschutz owns AEG through his Anschutz company. The 77-year-old tycoon was expanding on a fortune made in the oil business back when Golden Voice was finding quality venues for bands like the Minutemen. Do you know who that is? No, I don't either. (laughs) This is going to be showing our age. We are showing our age, yeah. (laughs) Though Anschutz is often described as press shy, he rarely gives interviews. He has also been widely covered over the years for his role as a leading sponsor of conservative causes. So it's kind of like, I was like, "Mm, press shy or smart? Mm. Because if I was somebody who was in that position where, like, you'll see, we'll get into it. He's like, when you look up his name... Like, the fact that he's problematic goes along with his name and, Mm -hmm. like, his whole history of, like, donating to these different, like, organizations that are just really doing an injustice to our society Mm -hmm. comes up. So it's kind of like, if I was that kind of person Mm -hmm. and I felt like I was in the minority, Mm -hmm. I would probably be press shy, too. I would probably rarely give interviews, too. So it's Mm kind of like, so is he really press shy or is he covering up? Yeah. And, like, trying to cover the fact that, like, maybe if he gives more interviews, something is more likely Mm -hmm. to slip out that he doesn't Mm -hmm. want people to know about. Yeah. And this is all speculation, obviously, because, like, we, we don't know this dude, nor do we want to. So, <laughs> so Ann Schutz's entertainment company, AG, owns Golden Voice, which operates Coachella along with festivals like, is it Five or Fire? F-Y-F? I have no idea what that Girl, is. Girl, I don't even know if that's the same thing as the Fire Festival. I don't think it is. No, no, no. Because that was a different thing. Um, also, like, just like an input here, like... I maybe it's, it's not been obvious. This has probably been obvious for like some people listening. Mm. I'm not like someone who's really into like music festivals mm. or people have like called my music taste weird because I, I don't I listen to a lot of like instrumentals or like classical music a lot. Mm. Or just like random like stuff that I find on the internet. So I'm very much not into Maybe like, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not like we'll get into this later, but I'm not like exactly a huge music festival person either. Like the only way that you can get me out in the desert, okay, in like hundred degree heat, you're y'all are charging fifteen dollars for a bottle of water. Yeah. Is if it's like Beyonce, Rihanna, and then Beyonce again and then Rihanna again. Like that's how you get me in the middle of a desert for a concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean Solange was supposed to be there this yeah. year, but she pulled mm-hmm. out. But. And I was like as if I needed more of a reason to not go. But, yeah, so we'll get into that later. But he, the the group Golden Voice operates Coachella and other festivals like FYF, Panorama, Hangout, and more in addition to several venues. And so when, when we talk about, like, you know, causes that he's supported or charities that he's donated to, um, like, let's talk about what causes he's actually been documented for legitimately supporting. So I found on Variety... Um, and again, we'll put all the references on the page for the episode. The Anschutz Foundation has handed over more than $200,000 to fund anti-marijuana efforts in Colorado as recently as 2016. And in Colorado, the Anschutz Foundation donated tens of thousands of dollars to such organizations as the SAM Inc. and Smart Colorado, 2016 tax records show, whose aim was to counter the impact of Amendment 64, which legalized marijuana statewide and was passed by voters in 2012. So, to be honest, I really don't know much about, like, the legalization of marijuana and different Mm -hmm. things, but to me, it's very similar in the sense that they want certain things legalized and they want certain things illegalized because they have their hands in those pots Mm-hmm. And they don't want something messing with their cash flow. Mm-hmm. Like, that just makes sense to me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he's also donated to the Federalist Society, whose members include Brett Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas. Who is... We all know who Brett Kavanaugh is, yeah. but who is... Clarence he? Thomas. Is um, another kind of demon. Yes. He's also... I think he was a um, Supreme Court justice. Yes. Uh, he is also... Let me see what he looks like. He's a black man. Oh, uh, what? He's very conservative. He was the judge that when he was... So there were a lot of, like, kind of parallels drawn between what was going on with Brett Kavanaugh's um, nomination and, like, the confirmation hearings mm. with, like, the confirmation hearings with Clarence Thomas because um, you know how, like, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford came through, came came out and said that, like... Um, Brett she Kavanaugh. testified in yeah, front she, of everybody mm-hmm. and, you know, like, was dragged through the mud. Mm-hmm. And she's the one who's still being hounded every day. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he sits on the highest court mm-hmm. of the land. Yeah. And so, interestingly enough, the reason why I pulled these two names in particular was that Clarence Thomas, when he was getting 
he was nominated as like a Supreme Court justice under, I believe it was one of the Bushes. Can't remember. Uh, well, sorry. Both of them are amazing, right? <laughs> um, but when he was nominated and he was going through the confirmation hearings, a woman called Anita, an, a woman named Anita Hill came forward and said that she, um, that Clarence Thomas had been sexually harassing her when they were both, like, as as both lawyers, I believe. Um, and so that's why there was a lot of, like, parallels drawn between what was going on with Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings and what happened with Clarence Thomas. So I think that's why I pulled those particular names, because these two guys are part of the Federalist Society, which has, it has been documented that Anschutz has donated to and is a supporter of. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just going to sit more tea here. Yeah, no, honestly, like, in my opinion, if you support a race, a rapist and a racist, I'm sure Brett Kavanaugh's a racist. I mean, why would he not be? Mm-hmm. But, like, if you support a rapist, you're literally two inches away from being just as bad as that rapist, in my mm-hmm. eyes, right? So it's kind of like, mm, I don't know, if you, if you align yourself mm-hmm. in solidarity with mm-hmm. certain people, I, I have the right to judge you. Mm-hmm. Because, like, why would you align yourself with those people if you don't see some similarities between them and yourself, mm-hmm. you know? But, yeah. Yeah, he, um, I mean, I found an article just that was posted, I think, yeah, just this past year in January, mm-hmm. um, where, like, he's been working on trying to, like, not, like, have his donations be super public. Um anymore he is apparently no longer donating to individual politicians or organizations Mm. that are very um explicitly and overtly like bigot bigoted Mm. or like you know um supporting like of oppressive structures and things like that um instead like his donations have gone to individual gop state party organizations and the national republican senatorial committee um to the national uh republican senatorial committee he funneled $134,400. $134,400. So he's just gotten more slick with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's um, he's being much more, I think, strategic with where his money is going because it's not like you can point to those organizations and say, like, you're doing this specific thing to, like, these groups. Like, mm-hmm. instead he's, like, donating larger to a larger group that can then do whatever they want with that money mm-hmm. and, like, use it in any way to, like, probably do the same sorts of things, but, like, in a more, like, covert way. Um, But, yeah, like, he, uh, and in 2017, he said verbatim to Rolling Stone that recent claims published in the media that I am anti-LGBTQ are nothing more than fake news. It is all garbage, he wrote. I unequivocally support the rights of all people without regard to sexual orientation. We are fortunate to employ a wealth of diverse individuals throughout our family of companies, all of whom are important to us. The only criteria on which they judge is that is the quality of their job performance. We do not tolerate discrimination in any form. I'm just going to say a side note here. This guy sounds like that whole statement just sounds like the way people talk about like. It's very colorblind, mm-hmm. I think, in, like, that statement right yeah. there. Yeah. Like, um, I don't see race. Yeah. yeah. I just, like, wonder what his views are on affirmative action. Oh, I think we know what his views are on affirmative I, action. <laughs> Sorry, that was just, like, a complete side note. Mm-hmm. Um, and then between 2010 and 2013, his company was documented to have donated to three anti-LGBTQ plus organizations, including the Alliance Defending Freedom, the National Christian Foundation, and the Family Research Council. Um, and I think when a lot of these like donations came out, he tried to quote-unquote fix it mm. um, and do some damage control because he, in 2018, donated a million dollars to the Elton John AIDS Foundation mm-hmm. LGBT fund. Mm-hmm. Um for those of you who don't know, Elton John um, is... Like a gay yeah, icon, basically. He's like a gay icon. He is a gay man. He's married, I believe. Um, I don't know his husband's name I think name he is. came out later in his career, too. Yeah. No, he definitely came out later. He's also from England, so I think that also played into it because they had... It was, like, criminalized. Yeah. yeah. They were, you know, um, being gay was criminalizing uh, in England for a really long time, yeah. up until recently. Um, I don't know why that took me so long to, like, put those words together. Mm, it's, a, um, it's a Thursday. It is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just on him. But also, 
can we just like stop here and talk about their some of the performers they've had mm-hmm. at Coachella? So, um, like this this year, one of their headliners is Ariana Grande, mm-hmm. um, and you know, Blackpink is a K-pop group that is um, that was part of the lineup this year. But let's mm-hmm. let's let's pedal back and talk about Ariana Grande yeah. here for a second. So, like personally speaking. You know, Ariana Grande has gone through a lot with the Manchester bombing Mm -hmm. and, you know, with the death of her ex-boyfriend, Mac Miller, who still was, like, a really central figure in her life. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, from the outside looking in on, like, what this girl's going through, I was definitely rooting for her. Like, I think everybody was, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're like, wow, this, like, girl, this woman is so strong. You know, she is, like, pulling through. She's, like, you know, just kind of being, like, a really good Mm -hmm. example of what, somebody can do to kind of overcome the different things that have maybe set them back a little bit, either emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause I know she did talk about like having pretty severe PTSD and anxiety after the Manchester mm-hmm. bombing. Um, which if you don't know about that, I, I don't know how you would not, but it, mm-hmm. there was a suicide bomber who um, detonated himself at the Manchester like leg of her dangerous woman tour mm-hmm. and there were 22 really young people young people and their parents who were um killed and 800 plus people were injured and so that's what we're talking about when we talk about manchester and you know like everybody had been rooting for her she was really popular on social media for a while people were like really supportive of whatever she was doing and then i was just scrolling through twitter one day and i see that they have a picture of Ariana Grande from when she was on, like, Victorious and, like, Cat mm-hmm. and Sam. And, like, y'all have to see this picture in order to understand what we're talking about. Because if you don't see the picture, like, that's how I was. When I saw people mm-hmm. talking about it, I was like, whatever. Like, it's just a tan, you know. And, like, I'm usually not a person who's dismissive at all about mm-hmm. what other people, especially people of color, mm-hmm. are finding problematic. And, like, again, just as a disclaimer, like... This, what we're talking about right now with Ariana Grande, Mm -hmm. and especially, like, the colorism and the, like, Mm -hmm. adopted, like, black fishing Mm -hmm. aesthetic kind of, Mm -hmm. like, just because it's something that doesn't make sense to you or doesn't, like, ring true to you or seems like a reach, if you are a person of color, a woman of color, or even someone who does not identify as either of those things, like, you having that stance and that opinion doesn't invalidate how other people of color and women of color feel Mm -hmm. about this particular issue and for you to kind of like discredit and invalidate what other people are saying within the community Mm -hmm. you're just doing more disservice to the community overall Mm -hmm. and so that's why usually I'm very very like hesitant to ever call the way that a group of people especially people of color Mm -hmm. feel about a particular issue as a reach or Mm -hmm. a stretch Mm -hmm. so like before let's just like address that before we get into it and then they had a picture of her right next to the picture of her before of her like now Mm -hmm. and when i tell you girl dropped about 15 shades Mm -hmm. like she went from being translucent she was so white this she's as dark as I am in the summer and I'm brown so I get dark Mm -hmm. and it was just like wow okay and whenever somebody calls her on like this really dark tan she's been known to say like oh I'm Italian or I'm Sicilian Mm -hmm. or whatever and I'm like okay yes but you're still like a brand of white yeah yeah like you're still white right and I feel like there's a lot of people who don't know anything about her and I can't Mm -hmm. like provide any sources or anything like this but people who like just recently found out about her and her music Mm -hmm. they were under the impression that she was either mixed with black Mm -hmm. or she was mixed with like a different you know like ethnicity that Mm -hmm. isn't white Mm -hmm. because that's how dark she Mm -hmm. is she has made herself ethnically ambiguous and now is profiting Mm -hmm. off of that so like not only is she like very dark now Mm -hmm. um which is like very problematic in many ways it's literally brown face let's just call it what it is it's brown face yeah um but she's also adopted like very much like leaning towards like yeah a black sense very like she uses a lot of african-american vernacular Mm -hmm. and things like that and just like and she's literally using this and selling tickets and, like, selling her, like, aesthetic mm. and, like, making money off of it when, like, other people have been criminalized for, like, 
being that, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's frustrating to me. And like yeah. the fact that like no one is really interested in like trying to confront that and like address that, mm-hmm. I think is like why? Like yeah. it's just literally in front of your face. Like you you if you have eyes and if you have ears, like it is so easy to see this. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just I don't know, like it's it's mind boggling to me. That, like, no, like, people think it's, like, it's fine or, like, it's a pass. Yeah. And, like, um, in my opinion, I don't know. Like, there's a difference between, like, you know, I don't, the best way I can ex- describe it is, like, you're not going to do something to your appearance that you think is going to make you less attractive. Like, mm-hmm. the reason that people do certain things is, like, A, either because they like it or mm-hmm. because they think that it's going to make them, you know, mm-hmm. like, more confident in their appearance themselves mm-hmm. or, like, make people more attracted to them. So mm-hmm. whether you're – it's, like, increasing your attraction mm-hmm. and, like, love for yourself or it's doing that to other people, like, there's something to be said about the fact that she thinks this is desirable mm-hmm. and that she is pursuing this mm-hmm. to the point where she is ethnically ambiguous and mm-hmm. she's profiting off of, like, brown and especially black culture because mm-hmm. when the song Seven Rings came out, you know, it was really catchy and everything, but, like, there's a line in the song where she says, you like my hair, G thinks, just bought it, and I was like, wow, it's so interesting that people who are not black, Mm -hmm. who don't really, you know, like, that aren't known to wear weaves or to wear wigs Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, are now kind of profiting off the fact that it's just, like, taking part in a, a, like, practice that is, like, very much black, Mm -hmm. and it's not really, like, identifiable. It's not made for you. So it's just, like, black women are looked down on as, like, being ghetto and, like, nasty, Mm -hmm. um, and, like, having their hair kind of, like, criminalized and, like, identified as not desirable, Mm -hmm. and then she's singing about getting weaves. Yeah, it was also something stolen from another artist, so, but that's a whole other, like, discussion. Um, and I think outside of, like, Ariana Grande, like, but by the way, she was a headliner. So, like, she was pretty, she was at the center of this, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, so frustrating. Also, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, like, when she and Nicki Minaj were, like, performing together. Mm-mm. They were, like, almost the same shade. What? Like, oh, let, God. let me oh find. Oh, my God. What the um, hell? Wait, this is. Like, it was kind of eerie to see. Wait, like, even in the side-to-side music video, they were basically the same shade. Yeah, no, like, look at the, like, look at from, from the Coachella performance. And I also, like, don't know if it's, like, maybe because, like, they were wearing the same color, like, clothes, but, like, Mm. still. Yeah, I don't know. It's very bizarre. Like, I don't, there's so many things to be said about her. Um, I also, like, maybe it's, like, just, like, my own personal thing. Like, I just, like, personally don't like her music as much. Mm. Um, I know that I'm in the minority with that or whatever, but, like... Like, her music is catchy. She's very talented. Like, she's an amazing voice. Yeah. You know? And so we're not denying her talent. It's just unfortunate that she feels like she can't, like, live authentically mm-hmm. without profiting off of a culture that is so, like, beaten to mm-hmm. the side by yeah. all sorts of different groups that try to use it to their advantage mm-hmm. just to toss it. Like, Miley mm-hmm. Cyrus, remember? Mm-hmm. When she went, like, quote-unquote ghetto... And she yeah. was, like, doing the twerking on stage. Mm-hmm. And, like, she adopted the, like, black scent yeah. also. And then, like, in a couple of years, she, like, you know, threw that off and was mm-hmm. just, like, oh, it was just a phase. And now she's back to her usual, you know, like, Miley Cyrus mm-hmm. before she had, yeah. like, her, mm-hmm. you know, public whatever. breakdown. Yeah. Or, yeah, whatever it mm-hmm. was. Yeah. But, yeah, no. Look up the pictures of them mm-hmm. from Coachella. I did not know that. Um, and I think at Coachella, too, so... One of the people in the lineup was is this group is this K-pop group called Blackpink, mm-hmm. and I think it's amazing that like K-pop has taken off in the states, and I think it's amazing that like artists from like other countries, and particularly like artists who don't even sing or like have music in English, mm-hmm. are like you know, you know, really breaking barriers. They're selling a lot of albums. Yeah. They're like able to like sell out like massive arenas for like world tours yeah. in the states, uh, but I think like. At a larger, like, level, mm-hmm. like, K-pop as a genre, I think, is very interesting because there are, like, a lot of issues that like, I personally have with K-pop, mm-hmm. I think. I think a lot of, like, the music and the aesthetic sometimes is like, very much appropriated from, like, black culture. Mm. Um, so, and I think, like, it's something that's part of, like, the whole, like, genre of K-pop that mm-hmm. I think is, like, not necessarily talked about as much. Like, same with, like, the thing about Ariana Grande, like, 
essentially darkening your skin and putting on brown face. Yeah. Um, K-pop is, like, in, in some ways, like, kind of problematic in that sense. Like, there are a lot of K-pop groups that, like, rap and things like that that, like, kind of borrow, like, from similar aesthetics, like, in terms of clothing, um, in, terms, in terms of style from, like, black artists or, like, mm-hmm. black culture. So I think that's also something to take into account when you're, like, thinking about, like, Coachella or, like, mm-hmm. looking at, like, some of the artists in that lineup. Like, Blackpink, like, they're an all-girl group, I believe. Uh, I'm also, like, not into K-pop. Either. I sound so, like, lame. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not into any of <laughs> But, like, I'm not, like, necessarily super into K-pop. But, like, mm-hmm. also, like, they're – I mean, it's, like, amazing. They're, like, all these women and, like, they're, like, very much – Women of color. Women of – yeah, they're women of color and a lot of, like – k-pop stars are like very much like idolized and like looked up by like from mm-hmm. like people like all over the world so i think it's amazing that they like have this opportunity but yeah. at the same time like it's a little disappointing yeah there needs to be an interrogation of like what is going mm-hmm. on i think just recently there was a k-pop group that um something about sexual assault was it no so that's it that was a different thing but okay. um a k-pop group released a music video and it's like everyone like went nuts it was like okay k-pop fans are sometimes like mm-hmm. really like into it they're um, very so like, very ride or die so like it was like amazing everyone was like super excited mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people who were disappointed because again it's probably i knowing how like k-pop works i'm pretty sure like it was their stylists that made these decisions like the stars or like the idols are like not yeah. necessarily like super pretty hands-off in terms yeah. of like clothing mm-hmm. they just do what they're told really yeah. mm-hmm. which i think is also sometimes like a larger cultural like conversation we need to have about like Women, um, women and, and like Asian likeness in general, like a lot of times we're told to like just not question things, true, like especially true. from authority, like you just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like they styled like this one girl in like box braids, oh. and like people were so disappointed because like again like they love their music and they love the fact that they're breaking all these barriers, but like yet they were styled in a way that's very much like a black aesthetic, yeah. but they're not black, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like kind of like. A smaller thing like they weren't like a huge like part of like the lineup in Coachella but yeah. like they were like still part of it and like a lot of that was a lot of drawing factor mm-hmm. for like a lot of different people yeah um additionally I just you know this is something that also came up it was she wasn't on like the list but guess who also showed up at Coachella and was like in a performance who? Katy Perry Oh gosh, she's like and, the queen of cultural appropriation. Yeah, so like this is a great segue because we're talking, we're, we're gonna talk about cultural appropriation mm-hmm. like by like the festival girls, but like yep. Katy Perry, what what a person! What culture has she not appropriated? Honestly, Dead ass. yeah, Dead like ass. I, you can't think of one. Like on, like literally, name one culture that she hasn't appropriated, and you win five hundred dollars. Like yeah. Win. So, yeah, she like she has done it all. Oh yeah, <laughs> really? Um, she has really outdone herself. I, yeah, it's like, and it's like, it's so, oh my god, like she, there's so, you just look her up and like, just look up like Katy Perry cultural appropriation, you'll see so many examples. Um, I think like one that sticks out in my mind was that she like did this performance where the she, Migos, some, wasn't it the, I don't know. Oh god. But like she did this one performance and she managed to conflate like so many different Asian cultures into one thing and she like had this weird like geisha aesthetic mm. which is like really like awkward and like like exotifying and like orientalist and was like disgusting but then also like borrowed like things from like chinese culture and like mashing it all together yeah, as and being she, geisha yeah quote unquote when it's like these are completely different like just yeah. because we might look similar to y'all doesn't mean yeah <laughs> oh. no yeah she did that whole thing and then what was the thing i remember i vaguely remember this thing with because what did she do again i can't so, remember like i guess they like collabed on a song right mm-hmm. I don't know. I remember all I remember is she was dancing on stage with them and she just looked so out of place. She was moving like she was like rusty, crusty, and dusty. <laughs> and like I, rem- I remember she had like box braids and like the oh really my God. huge like bamboo hoops, you mm. know, that are like very much like kind of like a suburban aesthetic mm-hmm. where girls who like maybe wanted to kind of like women of color mm-hmm. and even like you know, different men of color who might want to express themselves that way, mm-hmm. they would, like, use these different kind of, like, available materials, like those really big bamboo hoops, mm-hmm. just to kind of, like, accentuate how they feel about themselves. Like, mm-hmm. really long nails, bamboo hoops. It's, like, an a- aesthetic, and it was for them. And, like, back then it was seen as, like, ghetto. And, mm-hmm. like, oh, you look like a hood rat. Mm-hmm. And now you have, like, white women literally mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing, and it's, like, suddenly, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, very beautiful and very mm-hmm. desirable. Yeah. They're trying to be white women of color, which is not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, like, just putting it out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, like, 
so she was there. So like this was like what was going on? Um, we didn't even get to talk about the whole yeah. like mess that was like the Ariana Grande Nicki Minaj performance because apparently that was just all of a bunch of, a bunch of technical difficulties. Yeah. Um, but I think broadly speaking, when you go to, like I think at Coachella, there's been this history of like massive like cultural appropriation by not just like maybe some of like the headliners or like mm. the performers, but like also festival by goers. the festival goers. Like um, war bonnets, where it's yeah. something that's like very, very sacred from mm-hmm. what I understand, and I could totally be wrong. Um, from what I understand, different Native American tribes kind of utilize it in different ways for different mm-hmm. ceremonies, but like the common thread is that it's like a very sacred, mm-hmm. you know, item that you're mm-hmm. wearing and it, and it has a lot of tribal affiliation. And so, like, you only really get a war bonnet if you earn it. Mm-hmm. And like, then you have kids who are buying war bonnets mm-hmm. and just wearing them to Coachella without mm-hmm. realizing how like hurtful. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. when this is literally happening, happening mm-hmm. like on Native American stolen land, mm-hmm. and it's like not only was violence perpetrated against them, you know, like over mm-hmm. centuries, it's still happening now, mm-hmm. just on a much more like subliminal scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see a lot of like people who wear like cultural clothing, especially the indigenous clothing, um, like bindis, yeah, like saris, even, mm-hmm. and like. What is more frustrating, too, is that there are now like, these big, like, designer, like, companies or, like, clothing companies that are now profiting off of this. So yep. you see, like, companies trying to sell, quote-unquote, like, festival wear. Mm. Um, and many of the designs are often appropriated from cultural clothing. Yeah. Um, you see this all the time. So, like, you can go to, like, Nordstrom or something and, like, pick off a clothing, like, pick off a piece of clothing off the rack and it's probably going to look very similar mm. or, like, in a similar aesthetic as, like, indigenous clothing or like native american like patterns and things like that yeah and like honestly you would be surprised how like how often like i don't want to say the word because it is a slur Mm -hmm. but you know like the romani people Mm -hmm. where like the term that that starts with a g just Mm -hmm. because i don't want to like you know unintentionally hurt anybody um that is something that's really used to like market clothing Mm -hmm. like they'll say like oh like the g word like Mm -hmm. shoes or Mm -hmm. like g word accessories or Mm -hmm. whatever and like yeah i just i don't know it's kind of like wow like Mm -hmm. y'all are really uneducated and Mm -hmm. not only that but you're so comfortable being uneducated with your reach that Mm -hmm. it's like you're promoting being uneducated in other people Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think people understand, like, the violence that is perpetrated by, like, cultural appropriation. Because, yeah, it's not, like, bodily violence. I think that's what people, like, think of, like, when they think of violence. But, like, this is mm-hmm. violence in a different sense. Like, you're, you have spent so many years and, like, so many centuries telling, like, these specific groups of people that they cannot wear any of the, their own, like, traditional mm-hmm. clothing or they cannot, like... Embrace their culture. Em- yeah, embrace their culture. Because assimilation was forced mm-hmm. down their throats, yeah. you know? And there's, like, a quote that says, like... If you don't understand cultural appropriation, it's basically like you do a project, you know, like it means a lot to you. You turn it in, you get mm-hmm. an F. Somebody copies the project. And gets an A. Exactly. And gets an A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it literally all has to do with ethnicity and color of skin because mm-hmm. cultural appropriation is very much something that mm-hmm. is like ethnicity slash race culture based, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's always, it's always, it's always also so violent because cultural appropriation happens when you have someone who has got more cultural capital than you mm-hmm. taking your like culture and then telling you like no you can't have it but I can and like I don't think people understand like the extent to which like how violent that is and how like how oppressive that is and and it's happening continuously and like I mean again like whether or not like people go to Coachella that that's their own personal choice but I think people need to understand like mm-hmm. there are ways in, in which you can do that and like appreciate like where where you are and appreciate the music mm-hmm. without taking part in yeah. that, that you know mm-hmm. violence that maybe you're not even aware of happening right because yeah. it's like the parts of your culture that they couldn't stamp out they're trying to take from you and mm-hmm. reclaim it as theirs yeah. or make it so that you can't you know mm-hmm. have it but they can mm-hmm. and this kind of like gets into like kind of the overall question that we were talking about at the beginning where it's like, why is it that people um, who fully know the truth about Coachella sometimes still choose to go? And like we were talking to Damon from the RRC and he brought up a really interesting point where the I like hadn't even thought about before, mm-hmm. right? Because last year, Beyonce performed at Coachella and anyone mm-hmm. who knows me knows I love Beyonce and I knew that her Coachella performance was going to be something like groundbreaking mm-hmm. and it was going to be like legendary. 
And so I really, really wanted to go see it, but something like held me back from actually like buying the tickets and making plans to go like mm-hmm. see it, right? And like at that time, the fact that I knew what I know about Philip uh, Onshutz, like that was what was stopping mm-hmm. me, right? Because I was like, you know, this is just not a good look and mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel comfortable personally contributing to this mm-hmm. and then like being able to sleep well at night, mm-hmm. right? But also, like, when we were talking to Damon just earlier, he was saying, like, in in our day-to-day lives, right, like, we are giving so much money, like, $3 here, $2 mm-hmm. here, $5 here, $30 here, right? We're just giving money, you know, to just these different organizations that a lot of people, like, I would argue most people, have no idea who owns mm-hmm. these businesses. Yeah. like and how problematic they exactly, are. Exactly, exactly. So it's just kind of like, you know... In your day-to-day life, you've definitely spent more money and given more money to problematic businesses. And like that, like far overshadows a $500 Coachella ticket, Mm -hmm. right? Which is understandable. And like for me personally, like I can't speak for anyone else, but like if I find out something about a business, I Mm -hmm. will do my best to not buy from that business. Mm -hmm. But sometimes out of convenience or out of like just wanting to support the business, like there are things that different people are willing to overlook. And Mm -hmm. I like I can't judge anybody's decision to go Mm -hmm. to Coachella because that's their coin. That's not mine. Mm -hmm. So I don't get to say where they can spend it. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is just knowing like where your money's going, who you're giving money to, and just being like making that decision, knowing all the facts, especially with something like Coachella, where, you know, like it's a big purchase. $500 for a lot of college students is not something that is just like can easily come out of their pockets. And so when you are giving that kind of money, um, you always think like, oh, I'm just one person, like mm-hmm. 500 bucks in the grand scheme of things to these billionaires is nothing. But it's like, if that's, that's how every person thinks, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it adds up. So $500 can add up quicker than five bucks. But I just think it's like, you know what, whatever decision you make is on you mm-hmm. because that's not my business. I just have to worry about like what I, how I feel in my gut. Mm-hmm. But that is like a really good point that mm-hmm. like we don't, we just don't have the energy to analyze every single company Mm -hmm. and go through their receipts and look at their history before Mm -hmm. we buy from them. And I wish in a perfect world, we wouldn't even have to do that because it's like, why are we giving our money to these like jerks? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even have money because nobody would be giving them business, but that's Mm -hmm. not how it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like a really personal thing. That's just how Mm -hmm. I feel about it. Like conclusively, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I think it's also important to remember, like everyone has their guilty pleasures. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not, it's okay for you to have those as long like as, with Chris was saying so you understand like the larger context of things. yeah um but, but yeah, yeah I, I think, think that's it for us yeah yeah we really ripped through Coachella yeah we did um, that was a pretty long episode too yeah props yeah. to anyone still sticking through with us yeah like <laughs> that's not Joanna because she has to listen to this because she's our boss but you but, know yeah it's always fun to learn yeah for in sure. my opinion um so yeah thanks for listening <laughs>